Coming up on this episode of The Courage to Change. I uh, She was talking about her C-section. Um, I was asking her questions about it and I was like, wow, that's really crazy. Like, how do you recover from something like that? Not knowing I was going to go through it years later. Uh, <laughs> she was like, I mean, the pain meds. And I was like, how do you do that being sober? And she's like, you have to have accountability. So she said that um, her husband would be like, he'd hold, he'd have the pills in his possession and he'd give it to her as prescribed. You're listening to The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. We're a community of recovering people who have overcome the odds and found the courage to change. Each week, we share stories of recovery from substance abuse, eating disorders, grief and loss, childhood trauma, and other life-changing experiences. Come join us no matter where you are on your recovery journey. Hello, beautiful people. I'm stealing Ashley's catchphrase because I don't have one, but this is Christiana and I am back. It's so good to be back. I feel like I've so been like glad a, to have you. Woo, I've been in like a little um, bubble for the past eight weeks, <laughs> like, <laughs> just like at home in like hermit mode. And uh, oh man, it's so good to be back here. I've been listening and catching up on the podcast because you know, obviously I just had a baby, and that has been a, a trip and a wild ride, and something we get to talk about another time. Hopefully we can. I was thinking we should do like a an episode on like motherhood and postpartum. Oh, 100%. I was actually thinking going into this episode, oh gosh, I hope we don't hijack the entire thing just talking about that because <laughs> love to hear stories, share stories. And I know it's always a journey jumping into motherhood. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. I definitely feel like I have a lot to say about it, but I won't unpack it in this episode because that's But not everything is going well, right? Like yes. we, we announced to the listeners, your beautiful baby girl, and everybody's so excited. So I knew yes. they'd be excited to hear from you today. Oh, thank you. No, I am. I mean, I won't. I'm not going to lie. And all you moms out there and dads too, you know, you know, this is this is tough stuff. I think it's just the exhaustion. Your hormones are going crazy, you know, like your body readjusting because you just made and then popped a human out out of nowhere. Um, no big deal. No, you know, no big deal. So I definitely wasn't prepared for like how wild of a ride it would be. I knew it would be tough, but I'm doing great. Baby's doing great. She is such a rad little kid. I mean, just the stuff that she can do already, it blows my mind. And I'm just, I've never been more in love with a person and never been more sure of my purpose here on earth ever. I mean, ever in my life. And I'm pretty sure of my purpose before that. So I I just felt like it just was like a whole new piece of my identity just got cemented. And oh man, I love this kid more than life itself. She's rad. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for you to meet her. I know. I can't wait to meet her and you in person because we've just done this remote thing for a really long time. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so crazy that that's, I mean, it's the norm now for COVID, but you know, this is how we've always worked at Lion Rock because we've been around. So it feels like I'm sitting across from you, to be honest, it doesn't feel that much different. So right. It doesn't. I know. But then it's funny because when I've met some of my other Lion Rock colleagues in person, 
I think the thing I get the most shocked at is people's height because sometimes you can like look at someone and, and I don't know, you, you just, you, it's not that it's like a bad prejudgment, but it's like, you kind of get an idea of like, Oh, well, they're probably this tall. And, you know, and then I think I met Vanessa, one of our colleagues in person and, or no, no, I didn't meet Vanessa. I'm sorry. It was another um, colleague who is, she's the same height as Vanessa. That's why I'm thinking of her. And she's no longer with the company. But when I met her, I thought she was no kidding, like five, three, just how she appeared on video. And yeah. she always looked like she kind of sat really low on video. So you, you're naturally are thinking like, you know, she, she's smaller. I met her and she's an inch taller than me. And I was like, what? And you're tall. You're <laughs> tall. tall. I'm five, nine. So I was like, you're 5'10? Where did that come from? She's like, oh, you didn't know I was tall. <laughs> Isn't like, that funny no. though? Mm-hmm. Listening to the show, I had made a picture of you and Ashley in my head. And you, I think I told you this before, were like this tiny little petite dancer with a blonde bob haircut. And then I met you during the interview and you're like, tall. I was right on the blonde front, but your hair is very, very long. And I'm like, isn't it weird how our minds do that? So yep. Yep. Anyway, That's probably why I get called honey on the, on the phone, because I sound so little and so tiny, you know, cause I have the little like soprano mouse voice. And then people meet me and they're like, you're a giant. And I'm like, mm, yeah, in some circles. Yes. It's correct. <laughs> It's so good to be back. And I know that um, we've got some great episodes to discuss. So yes, do you want to go over them or you want me to say them? Sure. No, we can go over them. That's cool. Uh, We are going through Don Cummins, Lion Heron, Titus Gardner, and Allison Haas. And I will say their full title when we get to their episodes so that we know who we're talking about and what we're talking about. (laughs) So Don Cummins is the first one. And his episode is Decades Long Incarcerated Bank Robber Gets Out, Gets Sober, and Turns It All Around. There is so much I could have pulled from this episode. It's insane. And I actually thought I would end up picking like a fun clip about bank robbery or something like that. But instead, I ended up picking a clip that's actually quite somber and a very serious topic where Don is talking about something that he witnessed at a very young age. And just to give everyone a trigger warning, if you're listening this clip does talk about suicide. So if that is something that bothers you, it's okay to turn us off or mute us right now. But this is something that I thought so many people can relate to in different ways. So here it is. We had a family friend later on that that committed suicide right in front of me when I was nine. And uh, Billy was, uh, he was uh, uh, doing a lot of drugs around that time and got paranoid and thought the government was after him. And, uh, you know, we went fishing one night and he, he, he did it violently, not with a gun, but he pulled out a huge buck knife and, uh, dove upon it in the shallow water while we were fishing, you know. And you're nine, you're nine, like, and you don't know that he's on drugs. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. I mean, I knew my parents smoked pot and I was really curious and I was waiting for the next chance I I could get to, to try some. And, uh, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I'll never forget when I saw what he had done and my, my dad and Billy's brother Kip picked him up out of the water and he was bleeding and his, he kind of locked eyes with me. And I, 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 uh, 
I wanted to be getting in the truck while my, my, my dad called the, the paramedics. And I, I remember looking in the rear view mirror, telling myself with tears running down my face, Donnie, you can make it through this. You can just smile and get through this. And so I did. And my tears went away. You know, I was just able to shut mm. that off uh, in the moment. And that's kind of like my story in, in, in a way, um, my ability to feel emotion and to, um, you know, to process that in a way that that, that honors the truth and my truth um, was was really damaged. You know, my trust, you know, I never thought about it this way until much later, but my my security was was really not not there anymore. My, my parents met well, but my dad never discussed that with me. I mean, where do you even start from here? <laughs> Right. I feel like there's so much there. And kind of the thing that hit me was the fact that his father never discussed it with him after Mm -hmm. that point. I think because society as a whole is so uncomfortable talking about things like suicide, specifically with children. And I think why that clip stood out to me is probably because while you were out, Ashley talked to Dr. Louise Stanger in an ask the expert and her father had died by suicide too. And she wasn't told the full story either. And she talked a little bit about how, how she feels that's very detrimental to children and to people. And so knowing that Don, it didn't just happen. He witnessed this and then it was not spoken about again. And seeing how that played out in the trajectory of his life and his story and his own mentality and mental health. Absolutely. It, it's um, it's interesting because I have a, a, not a perspective on suicide, but about kind of understanding at that specific age about someone being on drugs and, and what the effects of that can be. When I was around that age, around age nine, my dad's former best friend who was made uh maid of honor nope that's incorrect best man in his wedding (laughs) he had gotten on drugs i can't remember specifically what kind of drugs he'd gotten on but now that i'm thinking about it it was probably meth and would call our house and at the time it was you know there was two young kids in the house myself and my younger sister and you know at the time you've got the answering machines, right? No cell phones. And so you, you go home, you press the button on the answering machine and you're listening to the message and it's, you know, out in the open for the whole family to hear. And uh, this this man would leave uh, threatening messages on our answering machine about like very explicitly detailed about what he was going to come break into our house and do specifically to my mom and to us as young kids. And it got to the point where we actually had to have police kind of, I guess, guarding the outside of our house at some points until he was thrown into jail. He eventually got cleaned up and he got sober, thank God. But I remember that was a really scary time. I remember being very scared. And my parents, I remember my mom didn't want to talk about it specifically because she didn't want it to traumatize us. But we knew what was going on. And I wasn't even watching what was going on, right? I, I'm just hearing hearing these these audio clips, right, coming on the on the answering machine, and and um and being scared, really, honestly, believing somebody could come and hurt us. And and my dad's like, "That'll never happen. We won't let it happen." Look, the police are here, and my dad did a good job talking it through with us. And so I don't have any kind of traumatizing memories from that. I just remember, like, wow, that was really crazy. I can't even believe my parents had to walk us through that. So conversely. I was just, when I heard this, I was trying to imagine what it would have been like if I had heard all that. 
and then you know just been stuffed up in up in my room and not you know we we didn't get a chance to process it or say that we were scared or ask what happens if he if he does break into our house where do we go what do we do and i mean and then that but that scenario alone doesn't even compare to watching someone commit suicide i mean and that's such a i mean like he said such a violent way to do it like it's just and then he said his brother was there, the the guy's brother was there. And I, oh man, I mean, it, just like you said, talk about how something follows you for the rest of your life if it's not adequately processed and, and, and categorized correctly in the brain, but then also children being given the chance to, I don't know, just process through something and, and, and be able to, to move forward. You know, that really almost paralyzes you at that moment in your life, you know, where it just, it, it just, it stops almost like your, your, your growth in that area. And I think that as parents, which you now totally understand being a parent, we live in this space where we want to protect our children. But I think there's this fine line between protecting them and, and honesty and how, how honest do you be? How much do you help them process? But honestly, I can't fault Don's father for doing that because I don't like, I try and put myself in his position as a father. I don't know what I would say in that moment. And I think that's where it is very important to engage an expert like Dr. Louise or like somebody else who specializes in, in death or grief or loss or suicide or mental health and get help with how to talk to your kids about some of these things. Because when something as traumatic as that is witnessed, I just yeah. What do you do as a parent? And what do you say as a parent? How do you help your young child understand and grapple with what had happened? Mm-hmm. That's such a great point. You know, growing up, you you and I grew up the same conservative Christian household. And there was the rule of thumb was to kind of, you know, brush things under the rug and not deal with certain things. And, you know, and, you know, and that's the way you keep the squeaky, squeaky clean image. And it does not, in fact, keep that, you know, and it, and it really does hinder the emotional growth of the child. I say that as a new parent and having not walked through certain scenarios and and again, you know, just like you said, not faulting Don's father at all cuz God only knows what was going through his head and what he thought he how he thought he was helping him, you know, at that time, but definitely something I will keep in mind going forward and something to keep in mind because I can think back to obviously scenarios that were not as traumatic as that, but things where I feel like I would have been better off if I would have had the chance to process it. And my parents would have been that safe place to do that with. And I I think that's, that's going to be my goal, you know, as I, as I grow and make mistakes and, you know, and do my best as a parent too. But man, heavy stuff, super heavy stuff. And, and just as a reminder, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number will be in the show notes, 800-273-8255. If you are struggling or if a loved one is struggling, you do not have to be the person who is struggling to call that number. That number is available, I believe it's 24-7. Yes. To call and to ask either for help or uh, support on how to help someone who may be struggling with suicide. Thank you for saying that, CK. And our next story is 
not just one of recovery, but Lion Heron had a has had a lifelong battle with a rare disease and shared his story and the positive mindset that he had that has really captured his community. He lives in Malibu and his story was incredible. I've been following him on Instagram. He was born with something called Gardner's syndrome, which has caused all sorts of issues for him throughout the course of his life, including cancer. And I want to say when he was little, he had cancer. He said, there's a misconception. He has cancer right now, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, tumors, he has no colon and he lives in a lot of pain on a daily basis. And as a result, has had to take prescription medication to manage the pain that he's in. And here is a clip where just, he just talks about that. Would, just the pain just would not go away. It goes so bad. But it also attests to how much of a tolerance I've built up to pain meds, which is so fucked because they're like, I don't use them to get high, obviously. I use them to combat pain, but when you've had to use them in the hospital for such long periods of time, yeah. you know, 20 days, 40 days, 60 day periods. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then having to taper off them when you get home, they give you oxycodone to try to taper off them. You build up such a high tolerance to the stuff that's supposed to, you know, really work. And it's like taking an Advil. It doesn't, it doesn't make me high. My sponsor always told me, he goes, one every four hours is taking as prescribed four every hour is using. Right. He okay. goes, these medicines, like this medicine, everything that you're taking, he goes, it has a job, just like you have a job. Your job is to heal. Its job is to allow your body to relax enough so you can heal faster. So Lion actually went on in this episode to talk to Ashley a lot more about the topic of taking pain meds while he's sober and living in recovery. And he said a couple of times that out of everything he's been through, that's one of the things that messed with his mind and was the most difficult for him to handle is how do I take pain meds to manage pain while I'm living a sober life and, and maintaining sobriety? Wow. That's actually... That was one of the questions that I had whenever I was talking to Ashley, getting to know her in, you know, years ago, I, uh, she was talking about her C-section. Um, I was asking her questions about it and I was like, wow, that's really crazy. Like, how do you recover from something like that? Not knowing I was going to go through it years later. Uh, and she was like, I mean, the pain meds. And I was like, how do you do that being sober? And she's like, you have to have accountability. So she said that um, her husband would be like he'd hold he'd have the pills in his possession and he'd give it to her as prescribed and she didn't that wasn't actually something that she struggled with thank god but you know it was very easy for her to to walk through that but that's something that like almost gave me anxiety like talking about with her like whoa like that's really heavy i don't know if anybody watches the show mom with um it used to be on a ferris we used to be on it i think she just left for the last season 
and Alice and Janie, but it's um, about a mom and a daughter who are both in AA and they show meetings and they navigate sobriety and they navigate all these different topics within sobriety relapse. And um, they bring in, you know, people who have issues with alcohol and people who have issues with pills or, you know, they're, they're addicted to pain pills or addicted to different things. Or some people are specifically, you know, just have the disease of alcoholism. Some people it's, it's just pills. Some, you know, so it's, it's neat because it really showcases it. And, and I feel like at least it showcases it really well and, and does a great job bringing in that dark humor, but also educating people, but then also showing people that these are people, you know, like maybe if you don't understand about addiction or, or recovery or anything, it, it's a great show for all audiences. And they did a couple episodes, but one specifically where it's a mom and a daughter and the mom played by Allison Janney. I forgot what she did. I think she threw her back out and like couldn't walk and they take her to the doctor and the doctor gives her pills and she's like a year and a half sober at this point. And it, you know, it shows like the pill bottle, like turning into cartoon and talking to her and like, you can just have one. And, but that's because that was one of her things that she specifically um, was addicted to back in her, her heyday and her her twenties as, as she calls it as her heyday. And, and, um, and how she navigates that she ends up relapsing and, how her AA group actually steps in and what they do and and the boundaries that they set and I mean it it was I cried I cried watching the episode and cried watching the episodes afterwards watching her come back and say you know her character's name is Bonnie Bonnie you know one day sober you know I'm I'm here you know, I, have, I have one day and everyone's like hi Bonnie you know and so it made me cry just because you know it's just it's it's just so devastating but beautiful to come back you know after something like that too and I mean for Lion having lived his entire life with this illness and with this pain and having to deal with it on a daily basis and having it be the most difficult thing he's ever really had to kind of deal with mentally is just like, I was so inspired by him. And I think the key word that you used was accountability. Mm-hmm. So, because this is a polarizing topic in the recovery community. I mean, there are people who would say, if you take this, you're not sober. You can't call yourself sober. You can't count yourself sober. But wow. the key is accountability. And I love that Lion was working so closely with his sponsor and that his sponsor explained to him and encouraged him and and told him like the difference between using and and taking it as prescribed because for him it does serve a purpose and I think that purpose is important but I've seen people who didn't have that accountability in their life who went to the dentist, got a root canal, got Vicodin and are back on heroin within a matter of less than 30 days. I've seen it happen multiple times. And so that's where the accountability comes into play. And I just thought that Lion's whole story was beautiful. And I did want to give everybody an update on how Lion is doing because we recorded his episode a while ago, uh, actually a couple of months ago, and a lot has changed for him since we recorded his episode. And I got his permission to share this because he and I have been texting back and forth a little bit since his recording and since his episode launched. And so I'm just going to read an update that he put on his Instagram. And it is a little bit long, but I know that 
that people who listened maybe following Lion's journey. He has lots of Instagram followers, lots of people supporting him through this process, and he appreciates that all. So says, yesterday was an extremely emotional and rough day for me and my family. I really wanted to come on here and give a positive medical update, but unfortunately, that's just not the case. I'm exhausted, extremely deflated, but as I venture on this journey, I feel like I need to continue to tell my story as authentically as possible so that you can see all the ups and downs. I hope my story can help someone get through their own struggles in life. This tumor is continuing to grow and cause pain as it pushes on my bladder and began to obstruct my ureters. On Tuesday, I had stints placed in each of them to keep them structurally sound from the tumor and stop any back up or infection in my kidneys. I woke up from the procedure in tons of pain as there are a lot of nerve endings in that area. I'm still peeing blood from the procedure and dealing with a great amount of nerve pain. As far as options, I try to treat the tumor and go. I highlighted a few in my previous post, but we've come to learn that most of them are not possible given the vascular network that surrounds the tumor and the small bowel. Chemo and surgery were looking like the only options left, but I've come to find out that doing surgery to remove this tumor would involve cutting out 60 to 70% of my remaining small intestine, ultimately leaving me to rely on TPN for the rest of my life, which means he wouldn't be able to eat food for the rest of his life. I am still waiting on the genome test results to see what treatments this desmoid tumor is receptive to. As to remind you, I'm non-receptive to 98% of the approved treatments in the world, so my options are quite slim. I'm worried that whatever treatment is selected would damage all of the progress I've made in trying to heal the fistula in my small intestine. I don't feel like my body is strong enough to handle any systemic chemotherapy at the moment. We are looking and researching as much as we can for anything that looks somewhat promising around the world, whether that be alternative Eastern medicine or just another health center, because right now I feel scared and lost. I'm tired and weak and at times don't know how to continue pushing forward. I've been fighting like this my whole life and I'll continue to fight. I just need more help this time. Thank you for all of your love. This has been an emotional roller coaster, and right now I feel scared and lost. You all have been the metaphorical seatbelt on the roller coaster from hell. Please continue sending all the healing and positive energy my way. I'll get through this one day at a time. Love y'all. Lion. I mean, if that doesn't put your life in perspective, I don't know what will. Gosh, Lion, we just... If you're listening, we are just sending you all of our love and specifically we'll be absolutely praying for you. That is a for sure and a definite and just praying that you find the answers that you're looking for and, you know, whether it, whatever kind of medicine it is, however, you know, your research kind of comes out, it's, there's so many things out there and I, I just, I can't even imagine how devastating, how devastating that must be, you know, just fighting your entire life and then just hitting that wall and describing it as a roller coaster from hell. So, you know, everyone, if you, if you can, you know, just reach out to Lion and just continue giving him some encouragement because it sounds like this is a time that he really needs it. This is that season where he needs to be uplifted. We're so thankful that he came on the podcast and shared his story. Yeah. Very thankful. And just 
to give everybody a little more background on what happened there, when when he recorded with us, he didn't know he had this very large tumor that they have since found since he recorded with us. So, and and it sounds like he has tumors a lot, but this one is very large and pressing on some areas in his body where it shouldn't be. So that's where that update came. And like he said, he was hoping he would have good news to present, but it it definitely wasn't good news. So when I reached out to him, he was like, yeah, it was a rough night. And I asked if I could share the update. He said, absolutely. So Lion, thinking about you and sending lots and lots of positive energy and vibrations your way. Oh, poor guy. Well, he's aptly named Lion. He's an overcomer. Absolutely. So for our next episode, we have Titus Gardner and his title of his episode is from drug dealer to corporate vice president recovering out loud. And I actually picked a clip from his episode where he talks about what he, a little bit about what he learned in recovery. What I realized is that I thought, you know, I really been running and hiding from the tragedy of my mother's death, which is a big part of it. But even a bigger part was not dealing with my dad and our issues. Because Mm -hmm. as I started writing this, what was going to be this letter to my mom, I realized I started writing a lot about my dad and how I felt and how things transpired. And then I just get these pages and these pages and these pages, and I still hadn't even got to my mom yet. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a bigger issue that's mm-hmm. inside me I haven't dealt with. And so that exercise really helped me to see that even I didn't know what I was dealing with mm-hmm. inside. And so a little more background, if you haven't listened to that episode Titus is both his mother and his father ended up passing away from HIV AIDS. And so as he went into recovery, what he's talking about is he thought he needed to heal a ton from like the experience when his mother had passed away. And as he began going through that healing process in treatment, he realized there was this whole nother area, which was his relationship with his dad, which he was adopted and didn't even know that he he was adopted until kids told him that there was this whole other issue that he needed to work on and heal from. And I thought it was beautiful because I'm in recovery and I think we all head into recovery thinking like, here's why I drink. I drink because I was divorced and my son died and I'm mad about what happened when I was a little kid. And then as we, some of that may be true, but as I personally went into recovery, I realized there was so much more. There were so many layers. And I love that for Titus, that this was kind of like this beautiful peeling back of the onion and allowing him to heal by exposing what that next layer really, truly was. I love that you said that because that has been one of the most beautiful things that I feel like I've gotten to watch. You know, I'm not in recovery from substance abuse. That is that is not something that I can say I've walked through and I understand from walking in somebody's shoes. I can empathize in, in you know, being in recovery from specifically like spiritual abuse and trauma and other types of abuse. But the the peeling back of the layers. I've gotten to watch so many people 
do that. And I actually have somebody that I'm close to right now who is like attempting sobriety again and again and again. And that's something that they haven't gotten to that yet. Like that point of like, there's a lot of like, like, okay, this is why, or that person's making me drink and it's because of this or because of, you know, the parents divorce, whenever else. And I had sent them the podcast to, you know, to listen to and just to be like, Hey, like, why don't you just like hear some of these people's stories and like where they've come from? And hopefully it'll kind of like give you some light about like where to walk and where to go with this and and how to think of this a little bit differently. Cause I think you're missing something here. And I'm just uh, so excited for them to have that same epiphany and to kind of get to that point because from what I've seen, just the freedom that comes from it and just like how much deeper you're able to go into being not only honest with yourself, but people around you. And then the appreciation for your sobriety just comes blossoming from that because it's like you finally let that weight just gets like lifted off of your shoulders where you're carrying that for so long. And that's what it reminded me of whenever Titus was talking was just like this huge weight being lifted, even though it's hard sometimes to kind of get to the point to it, admitting that or like really kind of seeing those truths as you unearth those different layers. Oh my goodness. Just the, the level of, you know, some people have joy, some people are experiencing, you know, just that freedom. Some people, it's like that weight is lifted off. They don't have to carry it around anymore or pretend or even have that shame. You know, it's just, it's so beautiful. And like he had so much of that in his story. Stay tuned to hear more in just a moment. Hi, it's Christiana, your producer. And if you're like me and you love coffee or coffee alternatives, you can now shop with the cause by visiting lionrock.life and clicking on shop. 100% of the profits fund substance abuse treatment for those who can't afford it. You can't really go wrong. We're now carrying, in addition to our amazing coffee, if you haven't tried it, matcha maiden organic matcha powder, love me some green tea, golden grind turmeric latte blend, and prana chai original blend. So we've got something for everyone. We love mixing these delicious coffee alternatives with something like milk or almond milk, oat milk, or even just hot water. The organic matcha powder is vegan-friendly, gluten-free, dairy-free, and simply delectable. The turmeric latte blend, the winner of Australia's Best Beverage product in 2017, helps bring about relaxation and restoration while also nurturing your body. The prana chai, that has been my pregnancy craving, it's amazing, is blended in Melbourne from all natural ingredients and uses 100% Australian quality honey blended by hand with tea and whole spices. By shopping for coffee and coffee alternatives at lionrock.life, you are also helping provide substance abuse treatment for someone who can't afford it. Your favorite drink with the cause. So again, go to lionrock.life, click on shop, and you'll see our coffee and our brand new coffee alternatives. We hope that you enjoy it. Send us a picture. Maybe we will feature you on our Instagram as well. 
And what we were talking about before this, he has such a calming voice. And so I think part of the reason I was so drawn to that clip is, you know, the rest of the podcast, he's talking about some pretty terrible things in the most calming voice without (laughs) changing the inflection or tone very much. And as he's talking about this part of his healing journey, you can hear the excitement level Mm -hmm. come into his voice as he talks about like, I didn't even know that that was in there. (laughs) And, but yet he's committed to doing the work to heal through whatever is peeled back by the next layer. And I think that's the thing that sometimes scares people like me going into sobriety or thinking about sobriety or being curious about sobriety is what am I going to uncover if I do get sober and I do start feeling these things and feeling these feelings? But that's where, I mean, the key word in this episode is accountability. That's where accountability, that's where plugging in, that's where committing to doing the work and surrounding yourself with people who are also doing the work. That's where all of that comes into play in this beautiful recovery journey that we are all on. I love it. I love it. You know, it's so funny because before I knew and understand recovery, understood recovery, you know, one of my big struggles was with one of my parents growing up. And I I could, I, I don't know, it was like, I feel like I could never get to the point where I was like, I felt like I was good. Like I'm healed. I'm good. I thought that was the goal. Like, oh, I'm healed. You know, I, it's almost like, like how my old mindset used to be about sobriety, right? It's like, oh, you run a marathon. It's really difficult. It's incredibly difficult. There's so much education and training and all these things you have to go through, but then you have a, yay, you achieved it. It's sobriety. You hit a certain point and that's not the case. That's, I mean, healing is essentially the exact same thing. You haven't ever like reached a certain like finish line, so to speak. You have to think of it as like, it's, it's a constant and it's completely changing. And when I had that epiphany, because I remember feeling so much shame, like, why am I just, it's like, I just unearthed this new bitterness and what's my problem? And why can't I forgive, you know, this parent? And I think when it, when it hit me, I don't remember the exact day, but when it hit me that it was healing is like an onion and you're just unearthing a new layer, like you were saying, the shame broke off. And I was like, oh, it's not because I'm looking for drama or <laughs> trying to find something wrong or trying to hold bitterness. It's just a new layer, you know, something new is coming out and that's okay. Um, and so dealing with it and being able to move on, you know, from it after, after doing that work. So that's really neat. And you're right. Titus does have that kind of a voice. I think we should submit him for like a meditation app or something. Like that's the exact kind of voice he's got. Yes, he does. And it's perfect. It would be absolutely perfect for something like that. So... All right. So our final episode, 110 with Allison Haas, author of The Addict in Aisle 7, discusses the pitfalls of her addiction to drugs, alcohol, work, food, and people-pleasing. I loved Allison. And (laughs) the clip that I pulled for this one is actually when Allison is talking to Ashley about when she was kind of given an ultimatum. So she loves riding horses. That's just something that she has always loved. And she talks about this one point where her 
father gave her an ultimatum and basically said, you either get help or it's goodbye horses, meaning like I'm taking away horseback riding from you forever. And so she finally agreed to meet with a drug counselor. And this is where the clip comes into play. So this was the first time I met a breathing, living female, super sexy, savvy alcoholic in recovery. Like I never had heard of an alcoholic who called themselves that and wasn't drinking like, and I re- cause I really thought like bag of, of booze under a bridge, trench coat, no teeth. Totally. Or dude. I'm like, <laughs> not me. Right. Clearly. Yeah. yeah just and so really here's this woman. Criteria. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm lacking a few things. And um, this woman just totally shared herself as this recovering alcoholic and, you know, did the questions, right. I'm puking in the trash can and wearing my beanie in the summer and just like, mm-hmm. can't, can't have eye contact. Eyes are pinned out. You know, but I'm fine. I just like to get high sometimes. She's like, well, heroin isn't really a sometimes and this is not normal. And so I um, I'm a rule follower and I'm also a people pleaser. And so I saw this woman and I was like, probably going to just do what she says. I love that clip for a variety of reasons. But the reason I picked it is because she talks about basically how she had the, what many people think of as a stereotypical alcoholic. Like I'm not homeless. I don't live under the bridge in a trench coat, but Oh, by the way, I'm using heroin type thing. (laughs) And so I just think there are so many misconceptions out there about alcoholism and what alcoholism is and what it means if you have a problem. And as a recovering alcoholic, I told myself those lies. I had seen other alcoholics and my life was not their life. And I used that to fuel my drinking. Like I'm not an alcoholic because I can hold a job. I'm not an alcoholic because I have my crap together. My bills are paid on time. I'm a high level executive. Allison was sitting there telling herself, I'm not an alcoholic because I'm not homeless and I don't live under a bridge. And so we need to break down some of those misconceptions. I've even had people in my own life, CK, who since I've got sober, gotten sober, have said to me, like, I've listened to your story on multiple different podcasts. I've heard your story. You really seem like someone who really just has depression and you use alcohol to cope with your depression. And I'm like, that's fine if that's the definition that you need to accept about who I am, but I am an alcoholic and I get to say that I'm an alcoholic. If you want to say I'm a depressed person who copes with, with it, with drinking, go ahead and say that, but I'm an alcoholic, whether you like it or don't like it, that's who I am. But it's because those people in my life have that picture of like, no, how could she be an alcoholic? She can go five days without drinking, even when she was at her worst. She can go two weeks without drinking. She can stop for an extended period of time. I always tell them, it's okay if you don't want to call me an alcoholic. I'm the only person who gets to name myself that, and that's what I am. I happen to be recovering, and I love saying I'm a recovering alcoholic versus just I'm an alcoholic. But that's what stuck out to me in that clip with Allison is we all have that story we tell ourselves about what that is and what that means. And it's just, just not true. 
Right. We used to do a series when I first started at Lion Rock because I, I managed our social media accounts for a little while. And it was actually at the prompting of Ashley and Bayon, who you guys know Bayon, um, if you've listened to season one, episode two, Bayon McDermott. She uh, is also a recovering alcoholic. And they were like, we should do an Instagram series that's called Shit Alcoholics Say. And I remember at the time I was like, is that okay? Like, right. can, can you say that? Like, cause they're like, this is going to be so hilarious. People are going to love it. And I was like, I'm mortified. I'm thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to offend so many people. There's going to be so many people mad. Like, <laughs> I don't want to make anybody feel awful, you know, but, and now I've learned recovery humor. And now, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say I've, I've joined the graveyard humor club and I know the things to laugh at. And Ashley still to this day texts me things and I'm, I'm like crying laughing on the floor, you know, because of it and, and, and can laugh at it. But at the time, I'm mortified, but you know, I'm like, hey, can you guys give me some phrases on like what to put together? Because there were just little Instagram tiles, right, and like little posts that said like, should alcoholics say as the hashtag? And then one of them was, you know, uh, uh, alcoholics. It was like the stereotype, right? Like Allison said, like, no, an alcoholic is somebody who's homeless and who drinks out of a paper bag and lives under a bridge somewhere, and you know, just all like that, that like just movie stereotype that you're always seeing. Um, another one was I only drink wine. Another one was I can hold a job. I drive my kids to school and show up at all their soccer games. And, you know, I, I'm, uh, it wasn't a high level executive, uh, but it was like, I, yeah, I, I'm doing well at work. I'm essentially thriving at work. And another one was I, I do well at school. I show up to all my commitments. My family is doing well. And, and it's all these things, just like you said, that, or I only drink on nights and weekends. Like you're not another- an alcoholic if you only drink on nights and weekends. Exactly. Exactly. I know I heard of somebody who did that, who was like trying to not drink during the week because they're like, that's my problem. I'm drinking during the week. I'm only going to drink nights and weekends. And the amount of drinks that they were having during the week was like, I was, I was like, how are you still alive? Uh, Cause it was so much. I mean, like so much. Like I don't think you had room in your stomach for food um, ever. And what ended up happening was they figured out they were an alcoholic because it shifted. And they and then they were like, okay, I'm not even nights. I'm only going to drink on the weekend. So two days out of, out of seven. Okay, great. All right, great. And they ended up drinking the same amount that they would seven days a week. In, in on the days. weekend. Right. And they were mortified. And I was mortified hearing the amount of alcohol that they consumed on the weekend and thankful that they were still alive. And then they entered treatment. So that was that was a good thing. But yeah, it's... But I, it's oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, we all... I say we all, and I shouldn't say we all, but I personally, and I hear this time and time again in meetings we have that thing we latch onto that is the reason we're not okay taking the first step. And hi, I'm Ashley. I'm an alcoholic because we are not X or Y or Z, or we can do X or Y or Z. And other people we know who struggle with substance use disorder can't do that. And you know, I didn't know what an alcoholic was growing up at all. And then I married an alcoholic and then that became my new definition of alcoholism. And then when I wasn't him, it was so hard for me to get myself to that place where I was willing to say that. And so I think that's part of almost everybody I've ever met in recovery. That's part of their journey is breaking down. There's not a 
set list of who you are or what you do. You can be an alcoholic and still hold a job. You can be an alcoholic and still be a mom. You can be an alcoholic and still only drink on weekends. But if your life is unmanageable, your life is unmanageable. And if it is interfering with relationships, maybe it's time to reassess. And I know that's something I personally went through and it was just gave me a little smile on my face to hear that was something that Allison went through and you had a little giggle when she said, yeah, well, using heroin isn't like a, (laughs) you know, normal thing. (laughs) She thought that it was, it was so great. That's like one of those things I can laugh at because we know she's okay now. (laughs) So, But it's funny because like listening to what you're talking about reminds me of something that Ashley Lowe Boston Game says all the time, which is you don't need to put a specific definition to something. Don't worry about that. But just ask the question, is alcohol causing you problems? If so, then you could have an alcohol problem. Right. And just taking a look at it like that and then just unpack it from there. And I just love that because that's such a great place to start. And when I don't know if people do this now to you, knowing that you're working you know, in the recovery field, but people come to me constantly and they're like, am I an alcoholic? Or I'll go to brunch with people and they're having mimosas and they look at me like the side eye thinking that I'm going to like throw like an AA book at them or something. <laughs> like I, 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 you know, you just, you just don't say anything obviously. And and then I'll have But if you're asking go, yourself that question, that's a good sign that you might need to look and see if alcohol is causing problems in your life. Just take a look. Just ask yourself that question. That's the only thing that I've quoted other people. I'm like, yeah, is it is it causing you problems? Then you might have an alcohol problem. And I don't I don't start. remember what episode it was that I was listening to. You might remember it, but it was some girl had like fallen off of a deck and like hit her head and all of her friends had to come and rescue her. She was on a trip with her friends and she ended up going to the hospital. And that's when Ashley chimed in and was like, yeah, is alcohol causing problems in your life? You passed out off a deck, hit your head and had to get all cleaned up. I don't remember for the life of me what episode it was though, but I remember the story because I remember being like, that's some crap that would have happened to me. And I would have been like, no, I'm fine. What are you talking about? I don't have a problem. I know who it was. It was Kendra Allen. I think that's episode 35. So that's season two, episode 35. Kendra Allen bears it all. Kendra Allen. You're so, you're so good at remembering the name that goes with the story. And I can do it now that I've started working here. But the ones I listened to before I started, we say their names so little in the podcast. Maybe we need to tell Ash to start saying their name a little more so people can remember who can these remember. people are. Well, but I'm, I'm telling you, it's something with like whenever you're producing specifically and you're you're typing in that number and you're putting their picture, you know, uploading everything, you just you get that that memory. I don't it's happening with you. I cannot tell you the episodes that you've started taking over and producing. I can't tell you now, like from memory, every single one by heart, but all the ones that I did, it's like, I can see the list in my brain because you look at it so much and you're making sure everything is correct. And you listen to it so much and it's fantastic. I just love these stories we get to share. (laughs) It's so great. It is. Is there anything else on Allison's story or just the stereotypical alcoholism breaking that down that we wanted to chat about? I mean, I, you know, kind of going back to, I get a lot of questions from my personal, you know, friend group or circle of everyone. I shouldn't say every once in a while, but it it happens more often than not. 
of like, am I an alcoholic or is this person alcoholic? They'll tell me a story. And I'm like, you know what? This is a self-diagnosed disease. I can't tell you, but it's always good. Like people are looking for resources so much, right? Like they're like, I, I might need help or this person might need help. Where would I go? Where would I direct them? If somebody had questions, if somebody needed to know, if I needed to know. And I would say to you, lionrock.life, um, we have an incredible community there. Lionrock.life has meetings and um, online events that are happening daily, pretty much, you know, from morning to evening, you know, that covers all time zones. And so there's groups that you can enter and listen. I know plenty of people who had questions and just went and popped into an AA meeting um, that we had or, or another type of meeting, a community meeting, um, which community meetings are for all types of recovering people. It doesn't have to just be substance abuse, um, but you can chat to people there and and find some support and ask some questions and and connect with a community. And I'd say start from there. And I think there's this misconception that you need to be sober in order to go, meaning like I have 30 days of sobriety, but if you are curious about or thinking about like, this is a step I need to take and you're sober right now, just go to a meeting, check it out. And if you are asking some of the questions that CK was just saying that people ask her and like, do I have a problem there's actually a quiz on lionrockrecovery.com that you can take and just answer some simple questions to, to find out like, hey, is this a problem? Is this something I need to explore a little bit more? So we'll put that in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Oh, it's so good to be back home. I love it. Even though you're not fully back, I pulled her out of maternity <laughs> leave to do this episode, you guys. Oh my goodness. I can't believe I did that, but we did. And it was so good to connect with you. I know. No, it was so good. I said that I would do it because doing this podcast is like, not that my other things that I do with Line Rock are like work or like horrible by any means, but the podcast specifically does not feel like work, especially recording. Recording is so much fun. And so I'm happy to be here and do it. And I'll be back long-term soon. <laughs> Yay. And I cannot wait to connect with you again on a daily basis. So this is actually one of the last after the episodes that we are going to be doing before our mid-summer break. We're going to be taking a short break mid-summer to organize the rest of the season and record more amazing stories with our awesome guests. So if you are listening to this and you have a story to share, which everybody has a story to share is what I am learning. We would love it if you would apply to be a guest on our show because we're going to be going through and going through more applications and selecting more guests to interview so we can share stories. And we'd love to talk about things like Christiana, you said, well, I'm not in recovery for a substance, but you're in recovery for other things. So we love talking about any type of recovery and things that we haven't necessarily talked about before on the show. So if you're like, Hey, I don't know if my story would be a good fit, apply and we will connect with you and see if your story is a great fit for our show. Yep. Absolutely. And are we looking for any specific types of topics? Yeah. Well, I mean, 
any topic, any story is fantastic, but we would love to cover topics we haven't talked about a lot on the show. So sex addiction, sex trafficking, postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, children who were born addicted, maybe individuals who are living with bipolar, people who have lost children as a result of addiction, meaning maybe their kids were taken into the foster care system as a result of their addiction. We just love hearing from people in recovery and sharing stories. So if you are one of those topics I just mentioned, or just have it on your heart to share and have never told your story in a public format like this before, we're not that intimidating. Ash does a great job walking people through their stories. CK is awesome. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. You can apply by visiting lionrock.life slash podcast contact to complete our podcast guest guest application. That's a hard one to say. Podcast guest application. <laughs> and That's you like just did it like very well. <laughs> well, I have to admit that I was um, before this doing the rubber baby buggy bumper the, uh, you know, the, the, I don't know if you ever did choir, you know, but I, I did I, all the alliteration. Oh, you one get black it. beetle led, only black bud, but the other, I can't yes. even do it, but you know, you know, so many hard. mumbling mice are making midnight music in the moonlight. Mighty nice. <laughs> <laughs> we never did that one. <laughs> you didn't. That was like the thing. Did you do no. one black beetle bled, only black blood, but the other black beetle bled blue? No. Oh yeah. That one's hard. That's Try a it. hard one. One. Black, One black beetle, beetle bled, bled only black blood. Bled only black blood. But the other black beetle bled blue. But the other black beetle bled blue. Whoa, you did great. Whoa. You're that... a singer. She's a singer. <laughs> I it got me started because I was ordering pacifiers for my daughter this morning. I was like, Amazon restocked their pacifiers and she only takes one kind. So I was like, ah, and it was like, oh, this is a natural rubber nipple. And so I was like, rubber baby buggy bunker bumper. And it started going on all these alliterations. And I was like, perfect. I'll do these before I go on the podcast because all I've been doing is sitting on my butt on the couch at home feeding a child. So all you've been doing, good. like that's no that's large it. task. You that's know. it. That's it. That's you know, it. making a child, feeding a child, making food for a child. Come on. <laughs> I know, you know, it's no big deal. It's just sitting there, just relaxing all day. <laughs> well, CK, it has been awesome to have you back and I cannot wait for you to be back full time. Yay, me too. Thanks everybody for listening. And AJB, thank you for holding on the fort while I've been gone. You've done an incredible job. Check us out on TikTok. All these things have happened. I literally am sitting there trying to catch up on the podcast and going on Instagram while I'm feeding my daughter. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the podcast is growing. And and you guys have been doing so many amazing things. So check us out on TikTok. We've got more Instagram reels. What else? Is there anything else I've missed? We're available on Pandora. We've been doing... I, I was talking to you yesterday. It feels like everything has changed since you left. So I'm so sorry. But we're doing so much fun stuff. Oh, we're on amazing. Pandora. We have TikTok. It's Courage to Change underscore podcast. We're doing some previews, some notes from our guests on there. Um, so you can see their faces too because CK and I get to see them and talk to them. But we know mm -hmm. you guys don't. So you can see them and hear from them on there as well. Yep. Yep. It's been awesome. It's been awesome to see. You guys are just absolutely killing it. So thank you for all your hard work and for just making the podcast even better than it was even before. It's just growing. So you're the best. 
Well, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, guys, looking forward to the next one. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a recovery community offering free online support group meetings, useful recovery information, and entertainment. Visit www.lionrock.life to view the meeting schedule and find additional resources. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.